0: welcome to rave dad's diary the show that explores the globalization of electronic dance music from the perspective of a rural alberta boy turned raver i'm your host and resident rave dad paul brooks Brave Dad's Diary broadcasts on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary at the University of Calgary campus and community radio station located on Treaty 7 land. I acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, the Pagani, and Kaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, region three. Oh episode 15 of Rave Dad's Diary. On today's show, we're going to get a sneak preview of a new independent radio show and podcast about harm reduction. Sanctuary Radio launches today and I speak with the show's creator, Stacy Marie. I'm actually in the CJSW studio live right now and I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you just a little bit more about my vision for Rave Dad's Diary because I really dove into the first couple of episodes. So some of the show is going to be pre-recorded interviews. Some of the show will be live interviews. Uh, I, I plan on stitching some shows together and telling some stories with live music. And, of course, audience participation is going to be a big piece of this. So if you have an idea or if you have feedback Please get a hold of me. Email ravedad at cjsw.com. And don't forget to follow Ravedad's diary on Instagram. I've posted a glorious Monday morning post rave photo of Stacy and I from the archives. Stacy's in a hammock looking remarkably fresh, and I have a 1,000 yard stare. Go check it out. All right. Let's rave. get to my conversation with Stacey Marie in a couple of minutes but right now we're listening to the sounds of local producer DJ and community builder Isis Graham aka Asset. Isis celebrated her birthday on Saturday and then in the wee hours of Sunday morning her house burned to the ground. Thanks to the help of a quick thinking neighbor Isis escaped the fire but she's lost pretty much all of her possessions. And, of course, her gear, including her record collection. If you're in a position to do so, please consider donating to the GoFundMe that's been set up. It's called Let's Help Isis Graham. Listening to Rave Dad's Diary on 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Paul Brooks. A new podcast launches today Sanctuary Radio takes the listener into the many faceted world of harm reduction. We're going to listen to a clip from the first episode about decolonizing harm reduction, featuring indigenous thought leader Len Pierre. And then I'll be speaking with the podcast's creator, Stacey Marie
1: it's uh, important to recognize and honor that there's no universal definition for the word decolonize. And if that word sparks some interest in, in yourself or, or anybody who's listening, you know, is, is really to uh, unpack what it means for you. Because as human beings of the planet, we are all touched and influenced by ongoing colonialism. Mm-hmm. And it's important to, you know, take a step back and reflect uh, just how much ongoing colonialism has contributed to a lot of the world's ailments uh, today, Uh, whether it's uh, social inequality or environmental catastrophe, you know, can all be traced back to colonial ideology, values and and knowledge systems. So when it comes to the important work of harm reduction and decolonizing harm reduction, you know, really is recognizing that typically we talk about harm reduction in, in two lenses. The first lens is a political lens, which is not my language and doesn't float my boat, (laughs) but it is, you know, politicians might say something uh, along the lines of, you know, harm reduction is good because it saves the, uh, the government money than what we would spend on healthcare than if it wasn't there. Uh, the second lens is, you know, a uh, population public health lens, uh, which, you know, I have to immerse myself in that kind of language, involuntarily.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because, you know, uh, harm reduction saves lives and improves the quality of life. And then when it comes to decolonizing harm reduction, it's really just centering the humanity in what harm reduction means, which means just caring for fellow human beings without judgment, without shame, without guilt, presumption of guilt, um, and just recognizing that as human beings, we belong to other people. You know, I have a daughter, I have a partner, I have parents. And if I choose to use substances or drink alcohol, that is my right, my self-determination to enjoy life how I determine, you know, best for myself without the political narrative or the uh, health narrative is just remembering that as human beings, we value autonomy. We value self-determination and caring for people regardless of where they're at or what they do because we are not what we do. We are how we treat other people. That's how I would get to decolonizing harm reduction is really kind of peeling back those political layers that quite often give this veil that um, people who use substances or people who party or people who you know use recreationally are somewhat lesser than or not in a good place or are you know, um, different kind of citizens because you know, within you know, the substance use community and the party community, you know, there, are, there is a sense of stigmatization. Mm-hmm. And because we're an overdose crisis, we've learned that you know, very early on that we need to kind of get back to the humanity and all and less of the good, bad, evil, holy, good, bad binary of this kind of conversation. And part of that too really is recognizing, you know, just how our prohibition laws around substance use and people who use substances and the opioid crisis are kind of rooted in racism, right? Like how come some substances are legal and some are not? Some how come some are regulated and some are not? If anybody's interested in their research, you know, can just google racism and prohibition and, you know, discover this rabbit hole of how all, you know, substances that are illegal are usually traced back to some, you know, some ethnic identity that has used that substance since the beginning of time, probably, and then wound up in, in a colonial country um, where it is now prohibited and actively contributes to the harms associated with substance use. Uh, so, in a nutshell, I know that's long winded, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in a nutshell, because it's hard. There are these abstract ideas of colonization and harm reduction itself, and marrying the two is makes a lot of space for a healthy conversation about substance
0: use you're listening to rave dad's diary and we just heard len pierre talking to stacy marie in a clip from sanctuary radio a new podcast launching today on the online radio station the rewind and joining me now to talk about the show is its creator stacy marie hi stacy hi pa so great to see your face over zoom
3: So nice to see you and be working on something again together.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we just heard a clip and Len described what harm reduction means to them. How do you define harm reduction?
3: Yeah, I mean, Len does such a great job that it's hard to follow up. But um, how I describe harm reduction really depends on the audience. So for people who have never heard that word before, um, I usually say something that it's taking something that has some degree of risk, which almost everything in life does these days, and putting in in measures or practices to reduce that risk. So if you've ever rode a bike and put on a bike helmet, you have practiced harm reduction. Um, if you've gone to a show and put earplugs in your ears, you've practiced harm reduction. And then there's kind of a, a more philosophical, um approach to it where it's it really is recognizing the humanity in people and recognizing that all people deserve access to to resources and, and to information that could help reduce the risk in their life whether that's from sex or alcohol use or drug use or a variety of other things
0: sanctuary radio what is the significance of the word sanctuary
3: yeah so so it's important to note that the channel that the show is hosted on is a music festival themed radio channel and so sanctuary is a word that most people who have been to a music festival might be familiar with um it's often a service at a music festival where people who aren't in medical crisis. They're not in medical distress, but they can come and they can take a break. They can relax. There's people in there who will listen to them and care for them. And if they have any questions maybe about substances or about the festival or, or maybe even having a panic attack, they can come into this space and not be judged and take a break. And that is really what I wanted to to turn my little hour of the internet radio into is, is a space where in these really wild times to to learn some things, possibly to just, yeah, take a break, try to see some, some good in the world or in the day.
0: I first encountered the idea of harm reduction in, in a festival setting at Shambhala Music Festival. And I talk about that in episode six of rave dad's diary when did you first encounter the idea of harm reduction out in the wild and, and what impact did it have on you
3: yeah so i first saw in the 90s when i was in grade 12 um i must have watched a documentary or something about um the hiv crisis that you know preceded my generation a few years before and I There was nurses out in the streets giving out condoms, and I was obsessed with that from the get-go. So in 1998, when I was in grade 12, I went to the health unit, got a bunch of condoms, and started giving them out at school. Got ejected from school for the day. I did live in a rural town at the time. Um And I didn't even know that that was what harm reduction, I didn't have the capacity or worldview to make that connection, that that was harm reduction and that was super badass. Um, But then I encountered it later when I did start going to raves and there would be a little table in the back with information and cards. And that's kind of when it all clicked to me. So it, it was officially through rave culture that I got to see how it could look.
0: In the first episode of Sanctuary Radio, which we heard a clip from, you talked to Len Pierre about decolonizing harm reduction. Why did you start with that conversation?
3: Yeah, so so it wasn't the first one that was recorded. I kind of recorded the first six in whatever order people were available. And and then, as you know, when it comes time to plotting your season and, and the story that you want to tell, um, one of my personal commitments was to weave the very things he talks about, like cultural safety and decolonization into every episode. And so by choosing to put my conversation with him first, I think it really reaffirmed a, a personal commitment I have to having been given the privilege of an hour of media every week to, yeah, to weave threads of decolonization and culture and amplify music by indigenous artists throughout the series and not just containing it to one episode.
0: Now, full disclosure for our audience, you and I are our close friends. We met and began collaborating about 10 years ago through base coast festival in British Columbia, where you are the harm reduction manager I'm trying to remember back 10 years ago, uh, (laughs) but, you know, if my memory serves me correctly, very few events and festivals offered harm reduction services in a way that was open. Harm reduction was a little hush hush and and often it was tucked away. Uh, What do you remember about the earlier days of of being a, a harm reduction practitioner in the dance music scene?
3: Yeah. I, we've known each other since when you were just a, a rave dad and not a uh, real dad.
0: <laughs> yeah, true.
3: Um, yeah. So I mean, I for base coast, I um, I went, I attended that festival before I ever worked for it, um, and I do tell the story in an episode as well that I, um, when I got back to my my tent and my air mattress was flat and I just could not really sort out how to get comfortable and so at the time Base Coast had they had a sanctuary tent uh it was staffed by a team called the Angels um but it was a bit less harm reductiony and more the traditional chill out space that has been at raves forever so like tea and granola bars and really nice people and a really comfy space and so I had never been in a space like that before. And so I stumbled in and I'm like, my air mattress is flat. I just want to lay down. And they made me this amazing bed. I woke up partway through the night and this angel was like burritoing me into the bed um, to to keep me nice and cozy and warm. And then when I woke up uh, off in the morning and I was done. And so that technically was my first interaction. Um, And then I think around that time um, in BC, uh, PMMA kind of blew up. So, so a, a research chemical came onto the scene, um, that in, in one summer caused, I think like 12 deaths. And so it, it really pushed forward the conversation of visible harm reduction services. And it kind of, I think led to festivals who had maybe that sanctuary space and base coast included, um, rolling out more services to be a bit more harm reductiony that being said my first year with base coast we were very far back on the property i don't think we had a sign uh they'd given me white sheets which at a three-day rave like they looked absolutely awful by friday at 10 pm (laughs) (laughs) um and our team stayed in the tent um which now, if anyone's been to Base Coast recently, we wander, we have p- outposts at every stage. And so I think, obviously, the opiate crisis has been absolutely terrible. But one positive element to come out of it is that it's it's forced harm reduction into a much more public realm. and And that coincided with my time with Base Coast, that we were really put in a position where, we could keep not hiding. I don't want to say festivals were ever hiding. They were just nervous to make that leap and give it a focus.
0: Well, let's talk more about that and and the evolution of your career. How did you go from working more behind the scenes to being the outspoken advocate that you are now with a, a podcast and radio show?
3: Yeah, that's all due to you. <laughs> I have you to think um, you know it's funny if if someone would have a time machine and, and have told eight-year-old me that I would one day be on a radio talking about sex and and drugs and sex parties and all of these things I probably would have cried and been like I don't ever want to grow up that sounds <laughs> awful I was so shy. Like so shy. Like a teacher would look at me different than they looked at me the day before, and I would have anxiety for the rest of the day, thinking that I had done something terrible. So how did that happen? Um, I think that time working kind of in the background allowed me to really solidify my skills and know that I had a fairly good understanding and and solidify yeah, my network. And then one day, one year I think. You know, as the opiate crisis was ramping up, you kind of suggested that we make harm reduction not a brand, that's not the right word to use, but something that we do promote about the festival and, and bring it forward and, and put these conversations, meaning me with these conversations, um, out there on social media and into the, you know, to the media. And then it just really took off because, like I said, no other festival had really made that step. Lots of festivals, including Chambla, have amazing harm reduction programs. But it's always in the backseat of that van that's, you know, cruising and known for other things. And Base Coast really decided to to build it in and give it equal footing, um, which really, like, changed my life. I remember one time at Christmas, I have an uncle who his his teenage daughter was going to a music festival for the first time. And he literally Googled how not to die at a music festival because he was so scared about his daughter and this province uh, newspaper article comes up and that's literally the headline. And there's my mug <laughs> <laughs> like, giving tips or how not to die at a music festival. <laughs> and yeah.
0: That's, that's really incredible. I, I guess, you know, you and I worked on, uh a video series, and I think uh it was kind of that same i wish uh I guess we if we really tried we could pinpoint the year uh but you traveled to San Diego, and some of those videos uh those harm reduction outreach videos that we created for the the base coast audience and community were were shown at that conference
3: yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways, which came from you um is that especially in the context of festival harm reduction, you really should be able to say what you need to say fast, you know? And I've actually included an element of that in my show. Like every second episode has something called drive-through harm reduction, where I'm just like, I'm going to pretend I have your attention span for two minutes and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the topic. And then I just like blush it, rush it out. And um, that comes kind of from those clips is like we we made, I think, four or five of them. Um, They had to be under two minutes and just really using people from the scene to give some really quick and important tips about festivaling. And and yeah, they got accepted to um, Harm Reduction International's Film Fest down in San Diego. And there was a really great response because there wasn't a lot of music festival representation there. There was other elements of harm reduction. So, you know, needle exchange clinics or narcan programs but we were by we were the only music festival kind of contribution which was really cool
0: you're listening to rave dad's diary on 90.9 fm cjsw my name is paul brooks and i'm talking to stacy marie host of sanctuary radio a new radio show and podcast about harm reduction stacy it's not all spoken word on your program you do love to weave in some music tell me about how music fits into your program
3: yeah, I knew from the start that I wanted to put music into it. I think that because of the demographic of this channel, uh, there's a lot of people who really love music and music festivals. And there it, there are talk, talk radio shows, but not a whole bunch of them. And so I figured that by having music could help keep people interested. It could break up, especially the topics that are a bit more heavy and give people a reset. Um, And I also wanted to come in with it known that that I know music as well, like I'm not a harm reduction specialist who's been invited into this context that I don't understand, that there's music that I like and want to share as well.
0: You've picked out a track that you're going to share that you're feeling right now. What are we going to listen to?
3: Yeah, so I lately... I, I don't know if we've ever talked about my, my feelings about Iconica. I have been obsessed with them for ages. They've been very outspoken about how bro bass music can be, and... Um, I feel like maybe I imagined it, but a couple of years ago she announced her retirement, and I thought that's it; she's never going to make music again. But she's come out with a, with an EP, and uh, yeah, I would love to hear little and often off of that new EP.
0: All right, can. let's check it out. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary on ninety point nine FM, CJSW. <laughs> listening to Rave Dad's Diary on 90.9 FM CJSW my name is Paul Brooks and i'm talking to Stacy Marie host of Sanctuary Radio a new radio show and podcast about harm reduction hey stacy hi okay stacy out of all of the possible time <laughs> slots in the week sanctuary radio airs at 1 p.m. pacific 2 p.m. mountain time so in bc the exact same time is—is this radio show. How serendipitous is that?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's really funny. It's perfect. I miss working with you so much. Like, it's so wild to think that for four months out of the year, there was a time where we talked like a day. And so I I think it's great that our worlds, our orbits are coming back closer together and you can just bump people to me and it'll be great if they love this topic. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is... Like, I've been, I'm on episode 15 of Rave Dad's Diary, and it's been crazy and very challenging (laughs) for me at times. (laughs) What's the most challenging aspect of producing a podcast that you've encountered so far?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, prior to, to taking this on, I had no experience with audio recording, like, none. So I... I already have the creative suite, you know, for other work. And so I just decided to click install on Adobe edition, which is their version of a, and it's definitely not a beginner's program. It's, it's not like Audacity or GarageBand. It is definitely for people who are auditioning for important things. (laughs) Um, But I kind of just spent a thick of, of the second wave watching tutorials. And trying stuff out and secretly recording my mom and then bringing in a mic in and just perfecting it and and learning a new skill um, and going from there. So that was definitely the hardest. I still don't have it mastered, which I think is a kind of subplot of the story I'm telling with the show is that I want to be transparent and and be like, this was the very first episode I edited. And then as they progress... I already, in having, there's four produced now, I can see a, or hear a vast difference in the quality. And I want listeners to come on that too. I want to come to kind of demonstrate that you don't have to do things perfectly. That's an element of harm reduction is learning to get better at things and you never have it mastered, but you know where to look to improve.
0: I think that's a great outlook to have. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've taken a similar approach where live radio is my comfort zone, but doing stuff pre-produced makes me uncomfortable because I have to use software that I'm unfamiliar with. So uh, I've been kind of building my program in the air and, and you know showing people... Uh, they they can definitely see the the warts in in some of the earlier episodes, uh, but but now when I come into the studio, I can get set up super fast and and bang out interviews pretty fast. What's what's something surprising? Like, what's a surprising skill or new skill set that you have gained through this experience?
3: Yeah, this is a good question, and I kind of have two answers uh one is um i think that it's really surprising that i have been able to record a podcast so through the pandemic i moved back home to my parents house uh i've been here the whole time and will be for the next little bit so to be producing a show that talks pretty explicitly about about drug use and about substances and about about sex in my childhood home um, and have the world be out there and like I've built myself a little sound booth in my old closet I think that that um is an interesting dichotomy I'm not so much of it's a skill but it's pretty funny to have amalgamated those two worlds um and then I think also uh yeah I mean I used to just hate my voice and think that I would never sound okay on on radio and and learning to listen to myself and make notes and study, and then bring in those changes to the next time I speak, um, I'm pretty proud of. Yeah.
0: Stacy, the the episode that you shared with me sounds amazing, and I'm very excited to uh, you know help amplify the 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 the, the message of the podcast. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job.
3: And it's been really easy to get people to talk to me. And I don't know if that's just a skill or people are excited, quarantine, they're bored, they like this topic. It could be a variety of things I'm not going to take credit for, but I initially was just going to produce four and then see how I felt, how it fit into my life. Like, what? how do you sustain a show? I'm sure you've asked yourselves the same thing. Like, will I run out of angles to talk about? But people just came out of Out of the woodwork, all over the place, like, I have a whole queue going that I have to work my way through because people want to talk. So that was surprising, too.
0: That's interesting. So how do you choose who you want to talk to? Because I have a similar, uh, like, uh, I'm grateful, but it is a similar challenge where uh, I have a lot of folks that do want to talk to me. But I have to choose and kind of curate the stories and uh, prioritize them how how do you choose and filter that
3: yeah i mean harm reduction is a pretty big bucket and so as long as i could make a connection to to one of the pillars or one of the aspects um, of harm reduction then then it can fit so initially it was just people i wanted to talk to like selfishly like i've had a you know Instagram harm reduction crush on you for years I want to talk to you and kind of go from there but then I found people like like I'll give a little spoiler about a future episode I've i came across this person who has made this very interesting card game um, about death and it looks very cool her whole premise as a conversation starter I'm like how how does this fit into harm reduction like what is an angle that I can talk with her because this thing she has is so cool. And um, as it turns out, the conversation fits really naturally to, um, I I suspect in a few weeks around when this episode airs, we're officially going to learn that there's no festivals this summer. And so there's a lot of grief, uh, you know, grief of income, grief of another summer of not having our friends and our jobs. And so it dovetails really nicely into that conversation. So yeah, I kind of find someone or something cool and then really sit and ponder on what the, what the angle is.
0: You're listening to rave dad's diary on 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Paul Brooks and I'm talking to my friend, Stacey Marie host of sanctuary radio, a new radio show and podcast about harm reduction that launches Today. Now,
4: yay!
0: yay! (laughs) Sometimes you have a great guest and your conversation can be difficult to to edit down. You've retrieved something from the cutting room floor that we're going to listen to now. Tell me about this interview clip we're going to hear.
3: Yeah, so this episode was the first one that I really had to butcher up until I recorded this one. I'd been pretty good at a hard stop of knowing when I have to stop so that I can fit music in, fit my disclaimer in and wrap things up. Uh, but these two, so so these are two of my friends and colleagues, uh, Gus and Alex, and and I think they would be okay with me calling them full-on drug nerds, like pharmacology, drug researchers, drug testers. They operate the FTIR. They are living, walking Reddit threads of of drug knowledge. And it was my first time having two people on at once. And so they kind of ping pong off of each other and off of me. And I, I just let it go. And so I'm in the process of editing this one. And I just have to cut so much of it because I was faced with the option of either trimming it right down or producing a two-part episode. And as much as I love them, it's very dense for the average viewer. I don't I don't know if two would really work. And I don't like that I had to make that choice and maybe a part two will come out of the woodwork down the road as like a, we hit a certain follower mark. Um, yeah, so this was one of my favorite clips. Um, I had planned to end the episode with having them debunk some myths or urban legends of, about drug use. Um, but it just seemed like an extra add-on. And when it came down to trimming those five minutes, I, I cut those. So that's what I brought to share with you. And you might not have an answer, or an example of this. I just wanted to know if there, if there were any myths you wanted to help squash around substances or drug math or things, urban legends around around substances that you would like to take this opportunity to correct.
5: Uh, most drug dealers are actually pretty cool. <laughs> uh, or rather, there's the myth that uh, drug dealers do not care about the people that they sell drugs to. Um, there's been some really good uh, research that I think Alex was affiliated with that proves that this is not the case, that actually uh, drug sellers are a major demographic of people who come together as drugs tested, and many of them do actually destroy substances that they don't feel are up to their standard of quality. And especially in in the United States, I think that there is a very bad stigma of people who sell drugs because they don't mind preying on people. But a lot of drug sellers start selling drugs because they just need to make ends meet. They don't have any other way to uh, supply their own substances Uh, or a lot of see that there is an unsafe supply of drugs. In the community, and who try to do their part in supplying people with things that are tested and to a knowable standard.
4: Yeah,
3: I think about that a lot. Like, what would the world be like if we could engage people who sell drugs in a meaningful way in the harm reduction conversation in terms of like, testing and educating and also like supply, you know, supplies to use their substance safely or for their customers to use their substance safely, which again could be a whole other episode, but yeah, I think about that a lot. Thanks for bringing that into the conversation. What about you, Alex?
2: Yeah, it's funny. So Gus talked about, that. you've talked talked about my, my research in my paper. So I feel like I don't have to like plug (laughs) that now. So that's, that's fantastic. (laughs) I I appreciate it. So I got two. So one of them is that weed is a drug. Cannabis is a drug and I, and, and there's nothing wrong with cannabis being a drug, like that's fine, it, but it's a drug. It's not herb, like I, I don't care what you, you say, like it's a drug. And the part 1B of that is that like, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, like a person who uses psychedelics, uses cannabis, who uses MDMA, like, or uses fentanyl, you know, none of those things are intrinsically bad. Um, And one of the myths that we have is that people that use drugs like fentanyl or like cocaine or crack or heroin um, or meth are bad people. And it's not, it's not that like, you know, people that smoke weed and do psychedelics and do MDMA. I'm not trying to say like, we're all, you're all drug users. So therefore you're all bad people actually going the other way. I think one of the, the biggest myths that we have about, about substance use is that there is some sort of hierarchy of who is, you know, better, based on that, or who is worse. And the answer is that no, no one's better, but no one's bad either. You're, we're just kind of all people, and we're all just using drugs. And prohibition is the bad is the bad thing, and stigma is the bad thing. Slash discrimination.
3: Yeah, I fully agree. This has come up a few times as well. The the kind of like exceptionalism around particularly psychedelics and getting rich white people access to medicine on the backs of so many other communities is so yeah. problematic. And so, yeah, thank you for that, Alex. What uh, were you going to say? Oh, I,
2: I will. Oh, sorry, yeah. wait one sec. I want to add to that. I, I just have one thing to say. If you're running like a big company that's trying to put patents on psychedelic medicine or make a huge profit, you're the only type of people that use drugs that I that that that, that I, I will stigmatize if if you're kind of exploiting the entire situation. Then like, that like has nothing to do with your drug use, though. That has to do with uh, what uh, Stacy just said. You know, building off the backs of people for you for you, I will consider keeping drugs illegal. But for everyone else,
5: <laughs> cool. yeah, drugs legal for everyone except suits.
0: <laughs> we just heard a clip featuring Alex Bestos and Gus Fowler from Sanctuary Radio. And I'm speaking with Stacy Marie, host of Sanctuary Radio. Stacy, drugs, sex, these are taboo kinds of topics. How do you take that into consideration? And I guess your audience's feelings about that, but also your guests and their 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 privacy. Like, it's how does that uh, factor into telling these kinds of stories?
3: Yeah, and so I mean, I do create a pretty a pretty tight container in that if we're talking about. Um, one aspect of drugs. We're going to try to keep it in here in that container Um, before anyone comes on. I do get them to fill out a form just to tell give me a heads up about anything that's totally off limits. So yes, we can talk about drugs, but I don't want to talk about overdoses. Um, So I can kind of work with that. Um, Any episodes that go deep into drugs, I have a very long disclaimer, as you know, from working in communications is all of that stuff. Up front a, a little heads up so people kind of know um, what they're getting into, but also just really sticking to the premise that I don't inherently believe that drugs are good or bad. They're just things that people have relationships to that are healthy or unhealthy and keeping it funny. It's, it's like, you know, it is, it's heavy, but you know, it's also, I, I feel like so far entertaining.
0: Stacy. Sanctuary Radio launches today. What do people need to know if they want to tune in?
3: For folks to tune in, they the easiest way is to get the Dash Radio app. Once you have it installed, it's free. Once you have it installed, search for Tastemakers. That's the channel that I'm a part of. It'll come up as soon as you start typing Tastemakers. And then our show airs at 1 o'clock PST. And I would also love for folks to follow the Instagram account that I've made for the show. So it is at sanctuary underscore radio. And that's the best way to kind of get outtakes, hear about where I'll post the archives, learn more information about how to find my guests, all of that important stuff.
0: Thank you so much, Stacey. It's been a pleasure catching up with you on the radio. And I can't wait to talk to you more and share more of your fantastic program with the cgsw listeners
3: yay thank you for having me
0: All right. Episode 15 of Rave Dad's Diary is coming to a close. Rave Dad's Diary is written, produced, and hosted by me, Paul Brooks. The show is produced on Treaty 7 land at CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary, Alberta. Season 1 theme music is Orchestral Lab by Guido, released on Punch Drunk Records. The Rave Dad's Diary logo is by Homesick follow Rave Dad's Diary on Instagram, and I'm also going to be posting show notes, photos, and links on my personal website. I've made a little micro site for Rave Dad's Diary there. It's pbrooks.ca slash rave Diary. There you can listen back to old episodes and really get into the Rave Dad's Diary world. Thank you very much for listening. Ears Wide Shut is coming up next at the top of the hour. Thank you to my guest, Stacey Marie. Go check out Sanctuary Radio. I'll see you next week. Welcome back, everybody, to CJSW 90.9 FM. My name is Michael, and I'll be hoping to introduce you to a new genre of electronic dance music. Today's genre is referred to as bass house, also known as UK house and bass line. Very popular out east in the UK and the surrounding European area, bass house is a subgenre of house, meaning it has the classic around 128 BPM mark with a very fast four to the floor beat and a hard-hitting, danceable bass line. I hope you enjoy the next couple tracks I have lined up for you. First, we have Cusino by Domix, then Think About Me by Interrupt, followed by
5: Festival by Mr. Virgo. Enjoy the following mix. (laughs)
0: C One C.
5: <laughs> what about a J? A J <speaks> S one S <speaks> W and a W <clears throat> CJSW ninety point nine FM broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta on Treaty 7 land, home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3.